is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everybody to this episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name is Sarah and today I am hosting probably something that's very, very close to my heart, and it is The Greatest Heel Turns and Betrayal Show. Poor <laughs> 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 Scott. Poor <laughs> Scott. So yeah, it's, it's that time that you're getting the shock factor of watching either your favourite character go bad, or you're watching someone revitalise their career. It can go in either way, and whatever that can define a heel turn, there's different variations of it. Wee bit of housekeeping just before I introduce my lovely esteemed panel for this afternoon. Make sure you're subscribed to us. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We've also got our social media pages, so make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're at Suplex Retweet on all of them, so we are so easy to find, you have no excuse. We've also got our website, we've got suplexretweet.com, and that's got Everything from where you can find the shows, where you can find me- um, talks about the members of the team, and also website features that we've got going on as well. But just uh, announced on last week's show, we are actually starting our own Patreon channel. Yes! yes. There you go, guys. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, which that, that's going to be launching the 1st of November. We've got a whole bunch of great content. So get signed up and give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> Please, start. Ooh, if, you, right. if you could. Starting from $4 a month. <laughs> there you go. So now I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to introduce my panel that they are all no strangers to heel turns in one way or another. Starting off, this man's hairline is thinning so badly it means he's running out of time to throw one of us sh- through a barbershop window. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dave. I'm very proud of my hairline, thanks. <laughs> Dave, how are you today? At least, I've, at least I've got some left, unlike the man to my left here. <laughs> whoa! Oh! This, this is a safe space, Dave. Oh, screw your safe space. Wow. I've done it. Yeah, I'm gonna heal you, Dave. The innocent bystander. Well, you know what? You've done my Dave. I know, right? It's still not as good as mine. Moving swiftly on, out of the three men on this podcast from the Stevenson clan, we always know that we need to keep an eye on this guy so that he does not grab a chair and stab Gary and Derek in the back and maybe sell out to the authority. It is Stephen Wilson. <laughs> I would gladly hit one of the two in the back with a chair. 
Probably the chair that Ross broke in my house. Hey. To get good juice. <laughs> uh, yes, Sarah, you've redeemed yourself after uh, your poor marketing there uh, with the whole. Give me your money! <laughs> it reminds me of the true the fact that give me the money! <laughs> we have to reconsider Andy for my director of marketing. Oh, thank you. Give me the money! <laughs> and that stupid voice, give me the money! <laughs> Moving on to, to his right, this man is no stranger to betrayal. He seems to have gone off the deep end after being cashed in on twice with the, with the eat sleep suplex retweets, fair change in the tin, and twice losing out the actual title to the number 44 it is Scott McLeod hello <laughs> hi Scott okay, I'm not going to write it my heart is not going as black as Tommaso Ciampa's <laughs> or betrayal is that 44 I see scribbled on your notebook no I told you I mind your own business it's the fact that you're wearing a Ciampa t-shirt I know <laughs> it's, like accept, a, it's like you tried to break my heart <laughs> and also Sarah maybe it's, please give, give us your money please you'll get nothing please. by shouting uh. <laughs> That's me told. Give it nobody, please. <laughs> please. Great banter. Carrying on. After David Campbell's departure from the podcast, this man seems to have made a miraculous resurrection. <laughs> but I can only come to one conclusion. It was him, Austin. It was him all along. It is Andy Mitchell. Um, to be fair, it's just a coincidence. I've not been booked for any shows. So <laughs> that's on Stephen. And uh, David, I've got hell where it counts, mate. I'm like, yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking end it there. Oh, see, this is what happened. Stephen was nice to us at our intros last week, and now we're just, it's back to, it's back to normality. Damn! Damn. Oh. <laughs> and finally, rounding off my panel today, after years of working with Stephen Wilson and having the outtakes to prove it, it's no wonder this man dreams of smacking him across the back with a crutch, and he's plotting to ruin his wedding pictures. It is Quacko Aji. That's actually quite spot on. <laughs> See, on the wedding pictures note, uh, I'm not the one you should fear for that. So just think, just think ahead. Oh, Laura likes me. Not if you, not if you interrupt her wedding pictures. She likes me. She just doesn't like you. Quite I want, I want a shaky today. peg. I'm not bad yourself. Well, yeah, I'm doing. I'm not still bad. trying to recover from that rebuttal from Rachel. I know, right? She's so hard. It's almost like he's been waiting. We'll and waiting <laughs> with all that animosity for not no getting booked for a show. Will survive. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I just, well, we, David came out and all of that. I've not even done anything. Like, yeah. well, you know, I can't. I can't let it. Yeah, you came out with no, nowhere with that as well. Wait, what's all that about? No, I did. Because you slagged me off, also, I rebuttaled. And it's my job to slag everyone that's on this panel. So uh, shush. So yes, we're uh, we're all in fine spirits. Want to talk about some heel turns. So what I got the guys to do in a very confusing fashion, I have been collecting data for the past month and a half. I've been getting people to send me their favorite all-time heel turns and that comprised of a list of actually 23. I then got the guys to rank each heel turn on a base of storyline out of 10, based on shock factor out of 10, and then from 24 being the best to one being the worst of the all-time heel turns, I managed to make a list of 10. So we are going to break down our top 10 just now. So starting us off, Roderick Strong joins the Undisputed Era. I know, that, that hit at number 10. So basically, it, out of the entire ranking system, it got 116 out of 168 in total. Stephen, why don't you kick us off with the, like, the build-up? Yeah, I mean, actually, this was one of my lowest ranked of the 10 that we're talking today, so it's quite good that it came in quite early. But... Um, 
I thought, in terms of shock factor, I quite liked it because, well, he was in a team with Pete Dunn. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, you've turned on the man to win the title, even though you could have just simply won the title with him. So that was quite shocking in that aspect because they were in the match together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely, did, it definitely added something to Roderick Strong's overall character and add that extra layer to the Undisputed Era. I mean, of course, it was just the fact that there had been so much build-up going into that particular takeover where they had been trying to recruit Roderick Strong. I mean, Adam Cole was out supporting him. And None of that. I can't get through one show. This is why I can't have nice things. So yes, Adam Cole, don't you dare. Oh, you stop me there. Right, had been out just after his, like, his NXT in-ring debut and he was congratulating Strong, trying to give him t-shirts, trying to give him the armbands and each and every time Roddy was just like, no, nah, I'm not having this. See so if that was Dave. He would have gone like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No I, th- I think all they had to do was look at Dave, and Dave would be like, "I want to be with you." <laughs> he's the hat. He's the armband. He's the lot. We see some people are just easier to manipulate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Quacko. Yeah. Well, for me, with the the big thing about that was the fact that um, Adam. I'm not going to say his full name. <laughs> Thank um, you. The fact that Mr. Cole was the North American champion. And like obviously, um, this was when Bobby Fish was injured with that horrendous knee injury, and you kind of knew in the back of your head that Undisputed Era were going to walk out as tag team champions, but you just had no idea how. And I remember we even did uh, a NXT Takeover preview show, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone predicted a Roddy Strong heel turn. No, we like James Murphy did predict that someone would join the Undisputed Era, but they. But that's nobody, yeah. nobody thought that Roddy would have the guts to turn on Pete. Yeah, and it was just Mr. Cole's face at the end of it was just like when he took that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's almost as if like a kid that just won the golden ticket. Won the Kyle's face was a picture as well. Like, yeah. he just jaw dropped. It was fantastic. Yeah, because I think like across all of us, I mean, Scott, you rated this out of ten, a yeah. ten. Yeah. In terms of shock factor, I think I rated it a nine. Stephen rated it, where Stephen's an eight, and Kwaku a nine. So it was actually quite high up there in terms of shock factor, but mm-hmm. what was your personal well, coming from it? Like, I was surprised when I was going through all the all the heel turns we had, and like, this cracked my top ten. And when I first saw it, I thought I didn't expect it to crack the top ten, but the more I thought about it, the more, again, the shock factor, like said, nobody saw it coming because mm-hmm. we'd already had Strong refuse to join, he'd fought against them in war games, he thought, if they did it again, they just did a swerve and said, oh, he is joining Unspread Air, just feel kind of Russo-A style booking. I think they wouldn't pull it off as well as they had. And plus, the story that they had with Pete they've been doing for the first few months of the year. And like they have this tradition of seemingly of throwing two single guys together and winning the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought, I kind of bought into the idea that they would kind of do that again. And then the shock factor really helped sell us. And then the fact that he's fitted into the group so well, he and... Kyle were such a great tag team out you couldn't expect it. and also the look the Facebook friends of Adam's surname redacted <laughs> and Kyle O'Reilly the, the way they sell the reaction the crowd are all in for it mm-hmm. it just it really sells the moment yeah I mean Dave when we're talking about revitalising a career I mean Roddy was sort of on a, a bit of a slump he was losing quite often in NXT and then did the, do you think like because in terms of storytelling again we rated this a sort of semi yeah. middle quite high but do you think this is what's really what he needed? Honestly, this was his Kickstarter moment because he started out in NXT as pretty much the generic babyface. He didn't really have a lot going for him, and I'm 
I think we've all sort of agreed on the fact that his promos aren't the best, but he is fantastic in the ring. Mm -hmm. Much like, you know, guys who are technically great but they can't cut a promo to save themselves, this heel turn was one of the biggest talking points of the entire night. And the fact that he's still with Undisputed Era to this day, it's a testament to show that he's such a valuable asset to the team. But also, it was just the shock factor alone that the fact that, you know, I think we were expecting Undisputed Era to get some help, just not in that particular fashion. And it's the fact that it came from a guy who didn't really have much of a character direction to begin with. So having him make that huge, huge jump to basically join the biggest thing about NXT, it, it was a huge boost for Roddy in his own, on his own right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it can go to show that Roderick Strong is a strong babyface and he's actually a strong heel as well. And like you said, he's still with the Undisputed Era, so it's not like... The one thing that I hoped that he would get booted out when uh, Bobby Fish got better. <laughs> <coughs> uh, but yeah, they needed to fill that void with Bobby Fish being injured as well, and the timing of it was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So that was number 10 on our list. <laughs> Where's Ty Dillinger? Mm, not Ty Dillinger anymore. Sean Spears in. We're going to move further up the list now. Again, when this came to rankings, this actually only got two more points higher than what Roderick Strong got for joining the Undisputed Era and it is when Kevin Owens turns on his best friend Sami Zayn for the first time in WWE when he was down in NXT just round about when Sami won the title. Mm. Scott, mm -hmm. what was your reaction when, <laughs> when that happened? Well, it's not that I wasn't expecting it to happen at some point, I was just surprised how soon they did it because if you've seen all the history they had in Ring of Honor, they had their friends and then they feuded and that went on for years. And then just the timing of it, the fact that the night that Sami Zayn is scheduled to win the title, Kevin Owens makes his debut. And I just remember watching it thinking like, oh, I wonder if they'll eventually have them turn. And as I'm thinking this, he immediately just grabs and throws them down. Like, oh, they're doing that sooner than I thought yeah, they would. Because it, it, it was very, very sudden because like Kevin Owens had only just made his debut earlier that night in the ring. And this is like right midway on Sami's road to redemption, as they like to, to <laughs> call it. I mean, like, sorry, is this the way to really... You want to make a top heel com coming in, this is the way to do it, because Sami... You know, there were very few people in NXT as over as Sami Zayn was at that time. This was his moment. All, it all culminated to this moment, and then his moment had kind of been sort of ruined. His moment in the ball had been ruined by his friend who was jealous kind of because he got Sami got there before him when they were meant to be there together. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing it, because I've not really watched a lot of NXT, if you've probably mm -hmm. gathered... But that was sort of when I kind of started to get into it because there was a storyline between obviously Adrian Neville and Sammy for the title and it was like, this is the big one, you've never won it and then essentially wins and then just to draw it out so well because you're kind of thinking he's not going to do it because they go up the ramp and then come back down, don't they, to yeah, the ring. The, I think the best thing about it was Kevin Owens started the night, this was his first match mm -hmm. in NXT, he got a huge babyface ovation, I mean the guy, he broke his nose, yeah. See, uh, just Robinson as he has known now, broke his nose in that match, so uh, he got a massive pop, broke one again when he came out, so the fact that they did that so quickly, to make him that diabolical Kevin Owens that we've all grown to love, mm -hmm. I mean everybody loves Kevin Owens even though yeah. he's bad, yeah. uh, oh. it just made him, but uh, it, was the, it, was, it was the fact that they all crowded in the ring and he was the first guy in, well done. Yeah. You've done it, you've made it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it was that moment there. It's sort of like, oh, this should be a moment of adulation for Sami Zayn finally winning the NXT Championship. But then all of a sudden, you know, curveball Kevin Owens is now the the guy chasing him. The one, the one thing I didn't like about it was I think they kind of 
they pulled the trigger maybe too quickly. Oh, that was way too quickly. Right after. First I mean, night is way fu- too quickly. Uh, not in terms of after. I mean, first mm. first match they had, he pretty much killed yeah, wins. Sammy yeah. in the ring. You know, it probably worked out a wee bit better for them the fact that Sammy ended up getting injured. Yeah. So it wasn't really like. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens, what is it? Next thing you know, he's facing uh, John Cena on Raw, mm-hmm. and you know it kind of just elevated him and made him a top feud. Yeah, the brief feud with Samoa Joe yeah. and NXT as well, which did not work as well as you'd think. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that Kevin Owens is just one of those guys who naturally works better as a heel. So. Have you seen him with the Street Profits? <laughs> <laughs> and he will never turn against the Street Profits. Only briefly, yeah. But have you seen him with the New Day, though? See how that ended. But that, that doesn't matter. This, him and the Street Profits is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm curiously worried. Well, but thanks for spoiling that raw for me. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's two days ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, the. Sorry, uh, I've got a busy life so producing some of your bio. It's been a quiet week. <laughs> But yeah, I have to disagree with how soon they've done it. I think it was actually spot on timing because, you know, obviously he gets that big face ovation at the start of the night and by the end of it, you've got people absolutely hating on him. At a time when emotions were running high and people were on such a buzz from Sami Zayn winning it, to bring them back down again, you know, that the sheer drop in the level of emotion that night, I think it just, it really sort of set the tone that Kevin Owens is going to be the top heel in NXT and also WWE going forward. So I think it really gave him a huge boost in terms of making him, making Kevin Owens a big name. Mm-hmm. I do have to agree with Dave in that the timing was right because Sammy had finally uh, gone out from all, under all the adversity and he'd finally achieved what he wanted. But like, a good thing with an underdog face like Sammy was at the time is you can't have them on top for too long. You always need to have something else to be fighting against so then how you immediately take him out of this storyline into right into a new storyline with his former best friend. And as I said to the reasons Kevin Owens gave, it's one of the things that they talk about like good villains have motivations you can kind of understand so much as you hate them for it when he explained why he did it you kind of understood why see for me this, this heel turn it's started a piece that like, like I'm sure it's been done before but this whole term of the hardest part of the ring <laughs> I think it, like the, how popular it's become has stemmed from that and just how it was a powerbomb onto mm. that. I mean, that's quite devastating. It was quite, it was, it was quite a moment. Yeah, it, it was yeah, quite it a moment. Really exactly. So I, I think like this betrayal has a big part in how popular the hardest part of the ring has now <laughs> become. I, I mean, I'm sure it's been done before, but to me anyway, this is the thing I look back at if I want to talk about the hardest part of the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then, like in terms of storyline, like most of us rated this quite high. I mean. Quacker, you rated it 10 out of 10 yeah. for the actual storyline. Steven, you rated it a 7. I rated it a 7, and I'm pretty sure Scott rated it something very similar as well. I've lost it <laughs> <Yeah>. on sheets. <laughs> I've lost it on sheets. So, yeah, but successful? Or yeah, I would say yeah. definitely. It's yeah. definitely a successful Just one. Make a main event star of I mean, it's something that we still kind of actually talk about and stuff. They had that weird friendship thing you know, when they were on SmackDown, where they were kind of backing each other up and stuff, but it's still something that, you know, we would love to see on the main roster now that they're both there, but they've both gone on different paths that it would kind of be weird mm-hmm. to slot it back in, but you just know that if they were to slot it back in, it would be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that- I, think, I think the worst part of it is that Sami Zayn was made to look like a transitional champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of benefiting KO, I mean, I think they did all the right things there. I was say, Sami Zayn hasn't won a title since, has he? No, no. 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 Whereas Kevin Owens has won them all, seemingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, that, that was number nine. That was out of 168, that got 118 points altogether. We're going to move further up the list to April 2008. Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, the, the infamous Geratron incident. Who wants to kick me off? Well, this was actually, this kick-started the, probably the feud of the year and it culminated with probably Chris, when Chris Jericho has said this himself, this is actually, it ended with his, arguably his favourite match of all time, it's defending the world title in the ladder match at No Mercy that year. I think it was the start of the, probably, I think at that particular point it was the best Jericho run as a heel particular, I mean you could kind of argue that his current run, people argue his current run in AEW and New Japan is probably a bit, but I, I personally quite like this. Any, any heel run that he does isn't... Yeah. Any heel run, any face run. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. It was the whole... I believe this was the last non-PG feud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. WWE did. It was the last one to involve blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. I think makes it look quite special when you look back on it. Yeah. yeah. See, before they ever got to like the list and the little bit of the bubbly, um, Jericho <laughs> just sort of transitioned into this really stern guy that wore a suit and he just called everybody parasites, hypocrites. And, you know, even if just using that kind of rhetoric... It, it really gets under people's skin, the fact that, you know, it's a huge turnabout from, you know, he's the... Sort of fireflies as well. Eh? Hey? Uh, he called them fireflies or something. That did also lead to his greatest ever feud with Bob Barker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a huge turnaround from when he was like the really loud and abrasive Ayatollah of rock and roller sort of character. The fact that, you know, he's engaging with the fans and really getting everybody, you know, pumped up and that kind of thing. But the fact that he goes from this really... He goes from that sort of character to this really stern sort of character. It was a huge character shift just in such a short space of time. Yeah, and to see the fact that he went from basically being a background kind of shit stirrer and the Batista uh, Michaels feud to following the retirement of Ric Flair, and then into this moment where he you just seen as a regular uh, highlight reel segment, just the slow turn. And then he the beat down and throwing him into the Geratron 5000 or whatever. That's such a great heel move. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. You've all accidentally whacked your head off the corner of a TV or something. <laughs> <laughs> corner of a TV, no, but maybe corner of a door or something. Yeah. <laughs> or like a wall, maybe. Have you ever tried to get down the back of your TV and try to get a yes, box? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. It's like trying to get those cables out. <laughs> Andy, what do you sort of remember from this? I, I remember, I didn't think, I thought it was quite predictable because obviously uh, Jericho was involved with the sort of Shawn Michaels and all oh, you knew what he was doing with Ric mm-hmm. Flair and he was a special guest referee between him and. Batista mm-hmm. and the way it was going it was kind of like are they going to turn Michael's heel but it's like no he's still getting chilled so it's always Jericho's going to get turned heel but it was good it was a good moment and that heel character he said he took a lot of inspiration from Jake Snake Roberts because he's quite quiet and slow and obviously didn't want any merchandise and it, and it was it made and during that time was when I started to like stop watching wrestling but that kind of kept me like in it just mm-hmm. that feud because there was it was like they, they feuded before like uh, in 2003, so it showed that they were like mature and and like sort of like what they could do. Like, you no, know, they've known each other and wrestled before, so it could just get better and better. They don't have like a random match at Judgment Day that year before the heel turn. Like it just yeah. it just seemed. I, I don't know. I was part of that feud that Scott was talking about because it was like uh, Jericho and Batista were fighting Michaels because Michaels retired for Yeah, mm-hmm. and Michaels had kind of feigned a heel a knee injury. Yeah, in that match. match, and Jericho was convinced he was faking it. And that was kind of the catalyst for his healing because like, people would still cheer Sean even though he lied to them yeah. and he couldn't get his head around that so he called the fans separate and they were just as, as bad as Michael's was and that really helped feel his heel turn. For me, like the TV spot, I like it's a kind of a throwback to how Sean 
turned the advantage of Eddie in his own Jericho way. Well, the thing is with the heel turns, it's always Michael's turning on someone, so it's like, I think that's the first time he's actually mm-hmm. been turned on. Well, yeah, other than Triple H, Funny enough, it's well. him getting his justice out. You want to rephrase how you say that? What? <laughs> what did I say? It's the first time that Michael's has been turned on. <laughs> has he tried Blue Chew? <laughs> he, uh, he is a toy boy. He's shut, he's, um, We're not sponsored by them. <laughs> but you know somewhere, Martin A was watching that segment thinking, Vindication! <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like, like Quacker said, it was basically his own variation of the rockers, which no doubt we're going to end up talking about later. Because like, those things did too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so because it was the exact same. I was, it was Shawn Michaels throwing Martin A through the barbershop window, and this is just Michaels getting his just desserts in a way of getting his head smacked through the Jericho. See, as much as during their feud in 2003, Jericho was like, I'm a massive Shawn Michaels fan. I bet he was just like a genetic man. <laughs> you know, it was just like he just fought like, ah, oh, no, this is my chance for revenge. You know, what the best thing about this feud is, is the fact that they focused on that eye injury that HBK got at the as a result of being thrown into the TV. And there was the, I think it was the match they had at the Great American Bash where they went, we went one on one. Jericho kept attacking it, and the match had to be stopped because the yeah, eye was. That was, so that was that was the last blood match. That was the last one yeah. that had the blood mm-hmm. in there. So, and then it just kept going forward to like SummerSlam and then Unforgiven. And even HBK was teasing retirement at one point. The fact that you know he couldn't compete with his bad eye, but then the unsanctioned match Unforgiven that year probably one of the best ones I've seen, uh, just in general. Yeah. So, so there was also him hitting uh, Jericho hitting. <laughs> Michaels' wife in the ring and he actually oh. hit her, didn't he? <laughs> SummerSlam, because... <laughs> her lip just ballooned up. Good, yeah. time. Good times. Yeah, so overall successful, not yes. successful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, great feud after that. Probably one of the best Lara feuds. Madison was excellent. One of the best, if not the best feud of both men's careers in my opinion. Yeah, probably, I'd say so. Right, we're going to move on to our next one, which actually came in at number seven, 130 out of 168. So there was a not even much of a jump, it was a tiny jump <laughs> by one point. And 1998, The Rock going corporate. I actually don't know why I ranked this quite low. <laughs> <laughs> why did you rank it quite I low, I Stephen? I remember I ranked it. Well, it was... Uh, it well, was no, you didn't actually rank it. Well, you ranked it low, but then you gave it I ranked it, like it low, a... but I gave it a good one because I think it was I think it was when I was talking to Ross, no surprise. Of course. Uh, where he mentioned the aspects of it, where it was all like, you kind of, you didn't see it coming, but it made sense because mm-hmm. there was the first match where he, of that tournament that night where he beat the boss man in like five seconds. Yeah. And then there was the match after that where the boss man was apparently throwing the nightstick to Shamrock, but the rock caught it. No, he just threw it to the rock. And then there was the turn in the final. It actually made a lot of sense in that particular way. And it was also, it was probably the making of the rock yeah, cause, as a main event player. Yeah, because before that he, he left the nation and then he was sort of like sort of online with a face sort of turned in the before Survivor Series it was McMahon was like I have a problem with the people so I have a problem with your rock so it was like he didn't see it coming at all obviously he thought uh, Mankind was McMahon's guy and uh, no, which looking back on yeah. it makes absolutely no sense because no. <laughs> he's like the anti-authority guy uh, but, but it's anybody but Austin isn't it so, yeah. so that was that just he, he didn't want Austin to win a title so it's like go with Mankind but then swerve and Vince Russo wrote it it's probably one of his better 
actual swerves yeah, uh, with the rock becoming in and it just made him I think if he just stayed face for that time he just got lost in the shuffle but because he became heel and he became <laughs> he just it helped his character and that's the, the rock that we love yeah because like I felt like I was channeling your brother that I was like <laughs> possessed like, it feels like they're lucky that it worked as well as it did because like you said he'd only been a face for a couple months he'd only just started the whole people's champion thing mm-hmm. and like whole oh, turning heel and going face and turning heel quickly after like that's a big show level move that never works out <laughs> <laughs> so they're lucky that it worked out as well that's as it did big show yeah. he's the original big show yes and the good thing about this I think this really set the rock up to be even bigger face later on when he turned face again but like it set him on this whole path with mankind storytelling wise we had a great feud changing the title back and forth and because he was McMahon's guy, that immediately set him on the path to eventually face Austin. But the one thing I would take away from this moment, if I had to read it, is like the whole Austin comes out at the end, stunners the rock at the end of the show. Like that's maybe something you do when the cameras are off air, send the crowd yeah. don't have it. But like, if, like they probably shouldn't have touched until they got to like the mania feud, and you should just focus on yeah. the whole mankind thing. You make quite a lot of good points there because it actually did. It led to all the pieces that we got the greatness of the rock within the next like year or so. His feud with mankind that match with Austin at Wrestlemania because if he didn't turn heel I mean who would have faced Austin at Wrestlemania who would have been that guy to have that one then we wouldn't have got probably that series of matches because you can see the chemistry between him and Austin even though it's probably arguably the worst of the three matches at Wrestlemania yeah. even though it's not a bad well, yeah. match so it kind of lays the foundations for that one. and then obviously after Wrestlemania we got the face turn we got the Rock and Sock connection the greatest tag team of all time <laughs> <laughs> in the eyes of Ross McLeod no, say, don't, oh sorry I was just saying don't forget the Backlash match where it was him and Austin's that was so much better than the Wrestlemania match the Backlash match was yeah. really good as well, but, and that, that was kind of overshadowed by the whole Undertaker Stephanie limousines <laughs> really? I, I can't remember where that where two Stephanie don't you dare discount the Rock and Sock connection yeah. with the dozens and dozens of Mankind fans see I actually quite like the Rock and Sock connection I wouldn't say they're the greatest tag team of all time but they're I think they're actually really good they, were the good, they, they, worked, they worked well they were like chalk and cheese but they worked probably yeah. Rock you go out there and win one for the Micker the hell's the Micker <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was, uh, this, this, the scenes of the turn I mean it, it, it was when you actually look with hindsight, it's just it is very, very good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Especially surprises as it comes from uh, a much criticised man of yeah. Russell, yeah. as much as he's criticised. And his justification of it was like the whole he was like, Do you remember when you were chatting die, Rocky died, the rock didn't forget about that, so yeah. it was like justifying like You fueled the hatred, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. And like we talked about the tournament episode about how it's a great way, even if it's a, if it's over one night or a series of nights, it's a great way to tell a story throughout the tournament and you had that story of the tournament where it looked like Mankind was getting the easy road and The Rock was having to fight for it but really The Rock was being helped along and you had that moment the double turn at the end which was the recreation of uh, Montreal Screwjob that mm-hmm. Vince just seems to love doing all the time one of one of many rehashes of that yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was the original rehash because <laughs> it was ideal there that was the one that worked so well and I think it also it did also help The Rock I think it also helped push the evil McMahon character because oh, yeah. let's be honest I mean as good as his f- stuff was with Austin in that particular kind of year you can only go so far with that one dimension but adding the rock in and, and, and it made so uh, Mankind Mick Foley like so sympathetic as well yeah we would not have had the butts on the seats probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we would all be standing right now and, and as hard as it was to believe in that same night if Jim McMahon turned to you as well screwing Austin to help Mankind go through I'm the two and then <laughs> flipping the burn. Why does everything go back to Shane? <laughs> he's the best in the world. Man. He, was the, he was the best ref in the world in of that the night. World. 
So I've got to believe in the same with conviction. I was actually quite a good ref at one point. <laughs> in the like, whole thing, the like, the way The Rock secretly, you didn't realise at the time, was getting a good run to the top. Because, like, they thought, oh, Austin's going to win because Shane's brought him back, but it was really Shane brought him back so they could help screw him again. Damn it, Shane. We had Tom Dawn, we've had Scrooge, you know, it's getting well, these well, in the windows today. That man's name drawn for the mud, Shane, is the best ever in the world. Somebody say that, as you were. I was going to say, we were talking about The Rock being a corporate champion to Shane McMahon, why does it always come back to Shane McMahon? Nobody likes Shane, that's why. You don't like Shane. Quacko likes Shane. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All I mentioned Shane because he played uh, a part in helping The Rock and getting to Mankind v Rock at the end. Exactly. Do you think this is what The Rock needed to sort of revitalise the character? Because yeah, he was probably the most over baby face. But do you think it's probably what he needed or do you think it was just best for business? I, I wouldn't argue it revitalised his character, but it was a good move on him where it was like, Obviously, Austin's the biggest face in the company. It's like I'll be the biggest yeah. heel in the company. I think, I think when he turned his face in the, the next year, it's when Austin's starting to—he's got his neck injury. Yeah. So I think him as the face then was right. But at this point, it was peak Austin. He would have just been the number two. So having him get that heel to get him that bit extra level yeah. popularity was probably best for the future development. Yeah, I think turning him heel so quickly really prevented his face stick from getting stale very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then when by the time he turned again, it was all fresh and everybody was on board with whatever the Rock did. Yeah, panel both successful, unsuccessful? Successful. Yeah, successful, yeah. It was alright, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was alright. Don't, don't, do, don't oversell it, Dave. Jesus. Dave doesn't know what they actually did, does <laughs> That is true. Right, we're going to move on to what was voted as number six. I'm actually quite surprised, and very sadly, that the person that affected the most is actually not here today. But we were talking about the breakup of <laughs> Yeah, I told you we would end up talking about it. We are talking about the breakup of the Rockers. Stephen, you seem to be really, really into this, and we'll get I, you all started. I am channeling the spirit of my best man and my cousin, Derek here, <laughs> because from young childhood, this is this was installed into me that the Rockers breakup was heartbreaking. Because <laughs> Gary and Derek were the ones who got me into wrestling and their heartbreak was felt through me. Uh, no, uh, um, as Derek will attest to, the, the, the shock of the actual moment was just because they, they teased it and then they were, we're going to go back together, we've had this nice moment and the super kick held around the world. <laughs> and then throwing them through the glass for that extra impact, it was yeah. just that the particular moment. I mean, it's much of a Hall of Fame career as Brutus the Barber Beefcake had. <laughs> Can anybody else name one other episode of the Barber Shop? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what about uh, Jimmy Stucker gets hit with a coconut by Roger? That, that was Piper's hat. That was Piper's hat. That was Piper's hat. point! What about oh, when Davis Shockmaster like fell through the cotton? <laughs> Davis just proved all of our points. If you can, if you can. What about oh. when Shawn Michaels got his face cut off a, a tiny trunk? <laughs> oh wait a minute. Well, you know I'm going to put this out. I'm going to put this out. What about when he got apple spark in his face? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this out to the listeners. If you guys can name another episode of the Barber Shop, and you want to prove us wrong, please let us know. But if you do agree, then let us know that you agree as well. Do we get something from the Channel 4 show Desmond's? Who did we get? So who wants to to talk about... Who wants to talk about the Mario Gennetti getting his head put through a glass window? The worst thing about it is, as explained by Bruce speaking in his Hall of Fame speech, Sean has still not paid him back for that window. (laughs) (laughs) So not only is he he a vandal, he's a ruffian, he's a cheapskate. How dare he? He's a heartbreak kid and he's also the 
the window breaking kid as well. Clearly not breaking out his wallet, the cheap man. He broke Brutus's set. He broke Marty's face. He broke Marty's career. He broke Derek's heart. I think Marty broke his own career. And he broke hearts around the world. No, uh, the thing is though, it's kind of he was wearing black, so it's kind of like something. But, um, like, yeah, you know. We talked about the in the last Sorry, one being black. No, I'll say he was wearing, say he was wearing black. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you're all right. But we, we talked in the we talked in the last moment about um, the Rock's career being launched by a, by this term. There's no term that's launched a career like Shawn Michaels. Doing yeah, killed the villains like Barty. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> the way, I mean. Could you imagine if it went the other way about and it was Marty putting Sean's face through? You know? Would Sean Michaels have been as great a star as he is? Probably Marty would have failed. I mean, no disrespect to Marty. He had his, he had his demons back then. You know? Yeah, that was the thing. Where it was just he had his demons and obviously Michaels had more control over his own demons and somehow was... Michaels had a lot more control over many things at that particular point. <laughs> best mates were Vince McMahon, so, you know. If you weren't, uh, was it? If you weren't my man's boy toy, <laughs> you'd be gone! Can we just do like Tim at the band and just do impressions? <laughs> like that could be our episode of its own. Yeah. That's why we did the higher power show just so he could do that one like. <laughs> 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 it's like two weeks of planning for that moment. <laughs> was, was that the first time he'd done the super kick? Because like, his finisher wasn't it? The Fisherman Carry? Yeah, he hadn't uh, actually done this. Like, that's what sort of brought the sweet chin music that we all know today. Uh. Because so. mainly when he did the it was usually as part of the Rockers, they'd, like, they'd do this double, double super kick thing. But like mm-hmm. you think today, like a Thai team who always throw double super kicks, when would that ever get over? Ah. Like, like I think the difference with the Rock, the, the <laughs> I mean, Rockers, the difference with the Rock and the Rockers <laughs> thing is ah. like the Rock. I think you can already tell he was charismatic before he made the whole turn and became corporate. Whereas Sean really needed this to stand out. You make make a good point about the super kick actually. I mean, we're in a world currently now where everybody does super kicks. No one did that at that point in time. That's why you actually felt it like, my God, that actually. Well, the Rockers weren't the the first tag team to actually do tag team moves together. Like, did, I think like, the Heart Foundation were probably around about that particular yeah. time as yeah. well. That yeah. was kind of they were more the, flashy, weren't they? Like the, the Rockers. The Rockers were very flamboyant. They kind of more than colourful outfits, but they never won any tag team gold. You know, no, so which is yeah. a shame. Officially, officially, yeah. That's <laughs> half the reason of Derek's heartache because they never won the tag team titles. <laughs> and then this happened, and Sean got selfish and went on this Hall of Fame career. <laughs> How dare he? I know. Absolutely shocking. One of the greatest of all time. <laughs> one, of, one of the things. Sorry. I mean, if you're gonna turn on somebody, you might as well do it properly. Uh, if you're going to turn, you're going to turn it on your best pal, aren't you? So no one's going to see it coming. So you're going to say, like, uh, if you're going to turn someone, throw them through a window, that's the way to... <laughs> I mean, if you're, you're, you're not going to see it, that coming. If you're going to turn that's on somebody... That's all 1992. Yeah, if you're going to turn on somebody, drive from Edinburgh and hide under the desk. <laughs> 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 if doing that requires being a face in the, the first place. The woman's to make sure that he never comes in. <laughs> like, that was very strategic planning, I'll have you know. One of the things I think that I didn't rate, I don't know if I rated this as highly as some of the other ones, but we talk about storytelling in some of these, like, they didn't really get a full on, like, blow off feud. Like, I think they were made no. fight Mania 8, Marty's Demons, apparently that happened. They had a match, a couple matches on Raw and at the Rumble in 83. Well, they, had, they were made after the match at Mania 9. I ranked this lower than the other ones for storytelling because yeah. of the kind of follow up from it. Yeah. Because the match that they had on Raw was great, like, mm-hmm. that, the comeback match with, when Marty showed up and. Mm-hmm. I think that was his comeback in the league, it was about a year and a half or something like that. It was about a year later, yeah. They were kind of, uh, they, feuding, they ended up feuding over uh, Sensational Sherry, I think. They, I'm sure mm-hmm. they did. Not only won the Intercontinental Championship. Was, uh, there was something to do with Sherry as well. Uh, yeah, I think he was 
I think she was made hold Martin because he was going to hit him with something, and there's a whole thing where he ducks and mm-hmm. Sarah gets hit, so she kind of left him to join Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Stephen, because you did say that you rated it quite low, but see, Scott, in terms of storytelling, you didn't like this, apparently. You rated it a 5 out of 10. Well, like I said, I think it's because of they didn't get the chance. I mean, for certain sense, it's kind of out of their control. They didn't get a chance to do the proper blow-off, so storytelling-wise, if there's not a lot... Like, you can tell, like, with Sean, it helped him, but in terms of the story between them and Marty being able to get any comeuppance on the heel turn, like... It wasn't really that effective. Whereas a moment and the shock factor of it, then it's a great moment. I think if I read this storytelling lower than a, than a seven, I might have not like been able to tell the tale. <laughs> I think I think Derek would have like said, "No, I'm not going to be your best man." That's fine. I've got backups. <laughs> oh, wow. But not you. <laughs> I bet you Derek's plotting putting you through the cape right now. Last last week's show was Derek's like trial in his speech. <laughs> oh, that really was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can just wait. Like, it's not like Derek has messaged me saying that he's going to, you know, bring a a sheet of glass to his wedding, <laughs> to your wedding. Mm. If you're more about like that, that would make her day even extra special. <laughs> <laughs> Probably get her to throw you through it as well. But yes, yeah, so that was number six. Successful, unsuccessful for I mean it was it was the turn itself, it the follow up not so No, much. the moment yeah. was great but everything was Yeah. I mean I a rate although I had a method, if I wasn't around or watching at the time I would mark it average because I can't mark it good or bad. But because that one still sticks, I marked it higher even though well, I was only a few years old when that happened, so it was impactful and I think that's mm-hmm. that was the exactly. that was the key moment. I mean, I was barely even one years old when this happened, so I had no idea what went on. But just going, I think I, I had to be just like going on, like what I when I watched it back, and I went, right, okay, yeah, my shock factor wasn't high, but I could see why. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was number six, mm-hmm. and that again, one more than the Rock being corporate champ. So it was 131 out of 168 that we all ranked at. But before I go to the break and before I reveal the top five. As you guys all know that I have been pandering to the listeners, I've been asking them and asking them and asking them to give me their all-time favourite heel turns, but also to partake in the Twitter poll that I put out and put out the Instagram poll, not the Instagram poll, the Facebook poll as well. (laughs) Um, And the one that came out on top for both the Facebook and Twitter polls was Tommaso Ciampa turning on Johnny Gargano. An ending DIY, which we will. No one will survive. No one will survive. <laughs> I love that feature. <laughs> well, it's a good one that's playing for this week's show, then, isn't it? So yeah, but I want to just I need to actually find them now because I had a, had a whole list of everybody's ones, but I've got I've lost them. There we go. So I got some from the team as well. So Alan, our big dog. Said Survivor Series '98, The Rock becoming the corporate champion. Remember to walk our big dog. Did you take my? Oh crap! But see another another one that he actually mentioned. It's not from WWE. It is from Bobby Roode turning on James Storm in TNA, like um, for their that TNA was, World Championship match. That was actually quite decent. Yeah, because mm-hmm. James Storm had just won the belt, and Roode was they all thought Roode was going to win the belt. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I was going to say we can chat about like the ones that didn't make the list or ones that because we were just we just focused on WWE just now but there's wrestling all over the world there's heel turns all over the world even here in Scotland (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ryan Gallagher as well now his favourite he just gave me the number 44 which means I'm his all time favourite heel turn (laughs) thanks Ryan 
Strax says that the Austin heel turn at the Invasion, and also the Kane heel turn on Undertaker Royal Rumble '98. As a very, a very big Kane fan, Scott. <laughs> well, you should never learn, learn to trust someone like Kane. You shouldn't trust Kane. You, you should, tr- never trust, you should Kane. trust politicians. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that's what makes him untrustworthy. <laughs> um, so I, I went and asked some of the listeners as well, who some of these people very kindly got back to me. So Paul Toner from Twitter, he said, Sean sticking Janetti through the window, I'm 38 and it still haunts me. You can tell he's pals with Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Daniel Campbell on Twitter as well. He said the big show, but he went to me, don't ask me what specific turn. <laughs> I just know my reaction each time is, well, here we go again. That's like saying Fast and Furious is my favourite film. Which one? I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, they I mean, because, like, yeah, the big show didn't make any of the list because nobody sent me a big show heel turn because I think it's just... Because they were not very good. And there's too many to talk about. You can fill your entire notepad with big show heel turns. That is very true. Uh, Stephen Bradley from Facebook, he said the first one that he ever saw was Eddie turning on Ray in 2005 and that it broke him. Mm. And then coming away from WWE, we have Brian Bamford, or Bam as everyone likes to know him as. Oh, Brian, how you doing? Yep. Um, he says Stevie Boy turning on Davy Blaze to join the NAK in ICW. I loved that. What an entry. Oh, what a heartbreak. Oh. Oh. Oh, I've got another one from there. Well, there you <laughs> go. So this is us getting getting more ideas. So I want to thank all the listeners for getting in touch and dealing with me being annoying and asking for everyone's favourite heel turns over the past couple of months. Mm. It was all for a good cause. Give me the money. <laughs> Please. So right now we're going to go to a quick break. And because he wasn't here and he wanted to give the speech so much, we have got a wee speech from Derek Kernahan explaining why January of um, 92 was his worst month ever. And we'll see you when we come back. Hey, this is the national treasure and the world's champion, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone, it's Derek Kernahan here. Firstly, I'm sorry I can't be in the studio today discussing the greatest heel turns and greatest betrayals in wrestling history. Unfortunately, I have two a wee girls to look after. Also, thank you to Sarah for allowing me to talk about, in my opinion, the greatest heel turn of all time. Let me take you back to January 92. A terrible month for me. First of all, the Rockers splitting up and secondly, Stephen Wilson was born. The tag team division was littered with talent. We had guys like the Legion of Doom, the Demolition, the Heart Foundation, and of course the Rockers, just to name a few. So the Rockers were going through a bit of a turmoil patch. At that point, Marty Gennetti, who was one of the members of the Rockers, had cost Shawn Michaels um, a few singles matches, and the tension was at an all-time high. So next thing it went to, like I said, in January 92, it went to Brutus the Barber Beefcakes segment, which was the Brutus Barber Shop, and it was supposed to be a chance for the two of them to kiss and make up. Now, as I mentioned, I was a young, impressionable seven-year-old, happy that one of my favourite tag teams would make up and go ahead and try and get their hands on the WWF tag team titles, which the fact that they never actually won. So it started, they mentioned that they were back together, gave each other a hug, then Shawn Michaels did what was became famous, which is his legendary sweet chin music to Marty. Now, like I said, I was devastated this happened. Shawn then picked up Marty and then put him through the barbershop window. The shock factor in this one was unbelievable. I was gutted, but what? 
would be a great moment in WWF slash WWE history and one that I'll never forget and I'm sure a number of fans will never ever forget as well. Unfortunately, after the Rockers, Marty's career stalled for a number of issues and I don't know what ever happened to Shawn Michaels. Oh aye. He became one of the most successful wrestlers in WWE history. So, in terms of the Rockers, the ending ended up being a godsend for Shawn Michaels, but ultimately, Marty Jannetty never recovered from it. He was in a few other tag teams like the New Age Rockers with Al Snow, but unfortunately his career never picked up. Just purely for the shock factor of that, you know, it was something that I think I'd, I'd never seen before in terms of someone going through, you know, a window on a segment. It was just absolutely fantastic and it gave the birth to the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. So, that, in my opinion, is the most shocking moment and the biggest betrayal that I've ever seen in WW in wrestling history. Actually, thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And welcome back, everybody. Now, if, I hope you all enjoyed that break of Derek listing why January of uh, 92 was his worst month ever at the age of seven. Quite like that one for the year. Terrible, terrible boy. I know. Wow, I feel so bad boy. for him. But yes, we are talking about the greatest heel turns and betrayals in wrestling. And I am joined with Quacko, Stephen, Scott, Andy and Dave while we break down our top ten as well as our own favourites. So in the first half, we worked our way down from ten down to six. So now we have reached the top five. So starting us off at number five, WrestleMania 17, Austin sides with Vince McMahon. Now Stephen, I remember you saying that um, there's really, see, I can see you clutching your heart that you were ripping down the Austin posters uh, after I, this. I was, I am, I still am, but I was nine year old at that point as an Austin fan, so the moment, see me if I'd like. You're still a nine year old Austin fan? Secretly on inside, we all are. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, um, at that point in time, you've had two odd years worth of Austin McMahon, even longer than two odd years in there, and then for, to see your hero go with the devil, <laughs> it's like heartbreak. I had, I literally had Austin posters, and I asked my mum, I need to take these Austin posters down. I remember it you was, just saying in the chat that you did. It was heartbreaking. As Jim Ross says, he's shaking hands with the devil himself. It was, it was heartbreaking. I did. That's why I gave this a shock factor of a 10, because <laughs> I felt it at that particular moment. <laughs> I I still struggle to watch the end of that WrestleMania <laughs> match. <laughs> oh, you Not just because I hate all the multiple cheer shots, because it's ruined the match, because it was a great match at that point, but it's just that moment. Like, no. It's Jim Ross's commentary that really fuels how big of a shock this was because you know Austin and JR are good friends in real life and stuff so I think obviously with JR's commentary just makes anything like momentous but you know momentous have you watched the <laughs> recently he's not that excited well, about well, it <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean but like uh, also Austin and JR have that personal connection so I think you have to believe that you know that sort of added a little extra element to it mm-hmm. yeah well, uh, was it when I uh, I was just waiting for a question to get thrown out? Uh, <laughs> so that's why I was quiet. I don't always ask questions. <laughs> no, I I didn't actually see that many of when it happened. I, I sort of saw on SmackDown. I saw Austin at the time. I was like, yeah, Austin won. And then when they got because of the infamous interview with Jim Ross, he's like, what have you done? And then he beats and then uh, Austin beats up JR. I think the thing about it as well. Then on the night and after the Raw, McMahon comes out to just say comes out and he does the whole. 
you want to see me beat Vince McMahon's ass? And it gets the crowd dead tight, and then just goes, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely shocking, but uh, especially when you're younger, you just don't understand why. It's like, this is the guy who's been, you know, fighting for like two years, but and why would he join him? Or in, uh, in sort of, uh, where was that again? What was that? Was it Austin, Texas? No, it wasn't Austin, Texas. Houston. Houston, Houston Texas. Texas. Houston. 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 As they say, like Vince McMahon turned face because everyone was cheering Austin still. Mm-hmm. That's, how the, that's how the heel turn failed. Yeah. Because everybody still loved him. I, I understand why he done it, but during that time, it was just it was just daft because you've got obviously the invasion angles like coming in, like obviously like McMahon's bought the WCW, the Rock's going out, um, Triple H got injured. No, he doesn't get injured yet, but it was like there was just a lot of things. There was a lot of wheels turning, so I feel like although Austin felt personally he had to turn heel, he shouldn't have at all. But then, sorry, I was just like hogging up. <laughs> <laughs> but it did give us the comedy character of him in Kurt Angle, and so that's what you get from it, you know. I remember watching this on a on a tape a while after it happened. Like, I had no idea what the hell was going on. I didn't know a lot about the history between Austin and Vince because when I started, Austin had already went out with his injury. But like, you could already tell something was going to happen because they announced that it's no DQ and GR's all confused. Like, since when is this a no DQ match? So yeah, it, was a, it was a surprise stipulation. Yeah, and like Austin said in the build-up, I need to be you, I'll do whatever it takes. And it's just <laughs> that case of how you didn't realise how far he was willing to go and to side with a man who'd been his biggest rival up until that point. But I think the fact that like it's a weird ending, it's in Austin sometimes, the crowd aren't reacting as heavily to him turning because, as Andy said, some people probably thought Austin Sorry, McMahon was turning face. And like the weird, and it's not with a stunner, it's just all these chair shots. Hits him with a bunch of chair shots, prints him, kicks out, and then hits him again. Like, just stay down. Even though it was a shocking one, they did kind of plant the seeds in it with Austin saying, I I need to beat Mm -hmm. you. I need to beat you. But still, he did not think that he was going to go to that length to win the belt. Well, question Does anyone know how many times he he hit? Rock with the chair. Quite far. (laughs) Sadly, it was less than what Rock hit mankind. Yeah, it was, it was 16 times. I was going to say 14, but... 16 times to hit him with the chair. That's more than, That's more than the, the Rock. Is that more than the Rock? Yeah, because the Rock was 13, wasn't it? It was 11. I had to sit and watch him count this, just I wanted to see if any of you actually knew. Oh, Stevie, you got that start rock oh. Austin. Yes, Stevie. He couldn't tell, he was crying through it. That's very true. Like, 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 Lord. Quacky, like I just said, I can't watch that part of the match. <laughs> Laura, if you're listening, you know what you're doing later. Make him watch it, make him cry. <laughs> Has anyone else got anything that they can take away from this particular feud? I mean, shock factor, storytelling, successful, was it successful? Or? No. The no. fact that it was the main event of WrestleMania as well, like, this is when all eyes were on the product. So having you know, essentially the whole world see it, I think it was the only way to really sort of captivate it in such a manner. And also it was a, a reason for people to switch on Raw the next night so it was like what the hell happened let's all watch raw obviously in hindsight we can say oh it didn't happen but during that time mm-hmm. no one knew what happened it's like what you, you wanted yeah. to tune in you'd also have the kids at school going did you see what happened yeah. last night you get the kids that obviously maybe didn't have a massive cable package like quacko <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i had to slip it in <laughs> um, going, but did you see what happened it's like yeah, they'll maybe try to like, go around to all their pals houses and sit and watch Raw or they'll sit and watch back Wrestlemania and I think I've broken the guys which is well, hilarious it's about that they, they turned Austin face again before an invasion like six days before invasion and then invasion he turned again because mm-hmm. the Alliance didn't have any star power so they put him on 
they put Austin on, they thought, oh, that big shock factor, because he was like he was maybe heel Austin v face Triple H eventually, then Triple H got injured. So I know they probably had a plan and it was a moment, but I think storyline wise, when you look back at it, even Austin has said that it was probably a bad idea. Yeah, he looks at it like really regretful, but it's mm-hmm. it was alright. Like it wasn't as bad as he thinks it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. So that was number five. Do you guys think that should have been voted maybe a little bit higher? But when you look at no, no, I wouldn't have said that. I think that's quite generous actually for that. Yeah, it's quite good. Well, that scored a total of 141 out of 168. We're going to move further up the list to. Oh look, it's Kevin Owens and Jericho are back in this with the Kevin Owens Jericho Festival of Friendship. Now, Kwaku, Chris Jericho is one of your favourites. Yeah. How did you feel at that moment that? You know, Kale brought out the list of Kale. Why was Jericho's name on it? That man. I'm sorry. He still can't deal with it. I can't. It was. Do you I need mean, some time? You've had friendship, the magician. I know. <laughs> they had a painting and everything. That glorious painting. <laughs> I wouldn't call it glorious, but okay. That, if that's your cup of tea, right. Dave. <laughs> But yeah, so like they had the magician. Yeah. They had like he'd thrown a big massive party on setting the scene. Mm-hmm. And they had like Vegas showgirls as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. Everything. They had everything. The festival of friendship. You it know. was a festival of friendship. See all those. What about doing with Quacker every month? Must be colder. Yeah, Quacker. See, okay, although it had me hard that one. There's only one criticism I've got of it, and it was a walk uh, when Chris and Kevin were walking, and Triple H pulled Kale aside to say, "Do I have to have a chat with you?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, cool." And then Triple H says, "No, alone with Kevin." So I kind of, he kind of knew something was gonna happen. Obviously, with the dot sheets and stuff, it was like you knew there was gonna be uh, something. But, 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 but Dave, I mean Andy, what? I'm over here, you daffy. He certainly hasn't went that far back yet. He was looking at me upside down. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I try as much as I can. Sorry, it's a night heel turn. Oh, it's an all-out ruckus now. I try and keep away from the dirt sheets because I don't want them ruining my life. Yeah. Because honestly, see when they when they know the scoops, can they not just shut the hell up and not tell anybody <laughs> instead of your guy shared Fred Bradford or whatever his name is saying shut up. Sure, <laughs> this, this person's going to be see, back no, see, this week. <laughs> see, the, the difference between him and real journalism is they actually have sources, you know. But, um, um, but he's not the insider. But the thing about it is, even when we had that moment, we did not expect friendship, the magician. We did not <laughs> ex- see the picture coming out. We did not see all the shocks. The list of KO was just the nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Jericho's face. My God, it's mm. like someone that shot his puppy. He <laughs> was so happy. He's like, a new list, a new clipboard. Wait, why is my name on it? Yeah. It shows up and it says the list of KO and you just hear the audience yeah. in the arena going, oh. And it was at that moment he knew, like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. Scott, you were the only one to actually rate it for story- storytelling. You actually rated this quite, well, lower than what we did. Because you actually rated it a 7 for storytelling, whereas yeah. like me, Quack, and Stephen rated it in like the 9s and 10s. Yeah, I-, I was looking at it when storytelling, why I was looking going into it and then coming out of it. And going into it, it had everything, but just coming out of it, they got put second on the card at Mania. 
yeah, quite an underwhelming match. Jericho said when he looks back on it, the fact they weren't main event is part, part of the reason he chose to go with AEW rather than go back to WWE. So I think just for that, like that match yeah, at WrestleMania, that really, that really kind of let it down. And because they, the match before it was an excellent match, and then you got this, like this is just, you can tell this is far too early in the card. See, that was that that was key in the long term storytelling. But in terms of if you were to kind of, I know I've spoken a lot about the long term, but if you look at it in this particular night, every single part of what they did on that segment was to a T. Jericho was so over the top. You just thought he was just doing everything. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens' facial expressions. Kevin Owens is such a great way of telling you what he's doing here with his voice, with his face, with his actions, and he just looked like, why did I hang about with this guy? You know, it's how I feel when Dave talks after time. <laughs> and yet you've been pals with Dave for over was ten that, years. Wasn't that the WrestleMania where basically Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg was kind of put higher up the card kind of yeah. as more yep. of a pre- yeah. And yeah, that's where it's wrong. See, the thing is, that was a great match. The, the worst. It was great, yes. But, but, yeah. the title, but, but the title. do you know why yeah. it was great? Because you thought it was going to be crap. Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't crap, so you thought, oh, it's actually quite good. Was that good. the night you won that pop quiz? Yes. Oh, yeah. Honestly, Kale and Jericho were, were just lightning, like lightning in a bottle that year in terms of how good they were with their heel work. And the best thing about it was they weren't like. They didn't come across as mega heels. They were kind of more like like snidey heels in a way, and people were loving them for it. You know, they were their comedic timing was perfect. Their you know their tag team matches were great. And this was at a time where I think a few of us from the pod actually went to see Raw when it was live in Glasgow. And you know they had to do the, the dark segment afterwards. Like they did a segment with Seth Rollins and Enzo and Cass, and it was arguably the best bit of the night. <laughs> so and just building up to that crescendo that. Big moment, that big massive turning point. You know, it was. I mean, it was just sad to see it go because Kevin Owens essentially transitioned from a heel to a mega heel. It wasn't like face to heel. So it was that sort of unique aspect of it. I think that's what really made it stand out. Everything after it kind of just just fell flat a bit because those two should have made events for the Universal Title because it was written for them basically the entire year or at the very least SummerSlam. So far, there is. It wasn't for the Universal. It was for the United States. Then it wasn't on a big, like a main event type spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was like set, set in the cup. Yeah. It's all because Goldberg and Lesnar had to be put up front. But like these guys, talking about how good they were together. They were the duo you didn't realise you wanted together until you got them. And you remember the tease breaking up so many times that they kind of like mm-hmm. maybe they won't break up. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe not every team has to break up. And then. The best one they were they faked out is the night after Survivor Series, where it looked like they were going to break up. Like you know who's responsible for us losing last night? Maybe look at each other and go Roman Reigns. Yes. And everyone literally cheered the fact that <laughs> yes, they're not. You know, I think the one thing that really, really got me is see it was the match that they had, and KO breaking up the pin count with his, with his, finger, with his yeah. finger, the exact same way as what the picture was at the oh, Festival oh, of Friendship. Oh, 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 it was just like the, that no, finger. It was like they were touching. It's like it was like a parody on the, one of the famous biblical, yeah. biblical pictures. I think oh, it was the, the Adam touching God's finger. Yeah. Yes, that like, one. So in that, it was basically them, and the United States Championship was you know covering things. But yes, <laughs> KO was like one of the probably the. the greatest heels that WWE have got oh, yeah, right now absolutely. and again with him and Jericho you couldn't get two better people to put in a storyline together because it was comedic mm-hmm. and we all know that me and like me and Quacko love things that are ske- like sketches and comedy like we love that kind of thing no, I like serious stuff I like to just watch it and 
just appreciate serious, serious stuff. Apparently Quacko doesn't like funny anything, funny anything anymore. <laughs> I never laugh. It's Jericho's reiteration of the fact that, oh, Kevin's my best pal. Yeah, he's it's my like, best pal. We're best friends oh, and we hate Roman Reigns. Did I mention he's my best pal? <laughs> it's like, we're but, best friends. Like, the funny thing about it was they're technically already heels anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's, as they say in The Simpsons, it took Kevin Owens from everyday villainy to cartoonish super villainy. <laughs> Absolutely. So when we all ranked that, so together that came to 143, so it scored just above Austin and Vince McMahon. But we're going to jump, there's been a quite wee jump, and like, I think we can all probably gather what the top three is going to be. Andy, I'm going to come to you, because Bash at the Beach, Hulk Hogan, NWO, oh. people are throwing things at him in the ring. Now, this I know this is like one of your all-time sorry, favorites. You jumped the gun there already. Uh, what sorry, what you were saying? Yeah, so <laughs> like this was one of your like all-time favorites. I think it's just it, it. It wasn't just a moment. It just changed wrestling in history. It was like if it wasn't for that, I don't think you would have had like the Monday Night Wars wouldn't have got better, and then obviously you know WWE winning and stuff it just it changed it basically like changed how wrestling was and and it was just because Hulk Hogan came out and dropped a leg drop on Randy Savage and turned heel for the first time such an iconic moment such the build up of it is like who's going to be the fourth man who's going to be the fourth man and even this was a time 1996 and it wasn't as big didn't have the duck sheet so you were speculating you were speculating you were speculating and when it was Hogan like you want a crowd reaction and there is nothing yeah, you. We will never see a moment like that again with a crowd go so annoyed that the, the only, ring is littered. The only time it would have happened if John Cena would have turned heel, but then they never done it. That would be like you know John Cena turning heel now. That's kind of what it would be like. Not really. Uh, no, 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 like maybe five or so years ago, maybe. Turning heel in maybe two thousand and eight or something. I don't think it would have got the same nuclear no. level no. Of but it would have been up there but yeah it's, it's the biggest think, baby I face I think the worst thing would have happened with all the kids would just tear their towels <laughs> but this <laughs> their towels yeah it was nearly spoiled because uh, Bobby Heaton was like is he the third man it was like, oh. like who size he yeah. but, but it was so it was so as Andy said see for the long term history of wrestling there is no more fundamental moment yeah. than this because this if, if they had done this WCW then WWE might have ran away with the Monday Night Wars and we might have had that same yeah. competition but for the attitude era, you know, it's just so crucial in how yeah, it's like all these other like all these other uh, mo- like heel turns and portrayals are good moments but none of them have set like foundations as big as this. This is like a bloody massive sinkhole in wrestling. It's like everything just just comes from that. Like cool heels, uh, great storytelling, big factions. It's all because of Hulk Hogan turning heel on the fans. Yeah, because some people will argue that Bobby Heenan saying whose side is he on may have ruined the moment. But when you think about it, Bobby Heenan, even when he was in the WWE, had always his whole thing was he hated Hogan. He hated Hogan so, so like even Tony Schiavone and Condit kind of pass off as oh shut up, but he kind of like mm. of course you would imply that. And then when he actually does it, they're all like so angry. And like even though Hulk Hogan like in the WCW hardcore fans maybe wasn't as over, he still got a reaction. People are still happy to see him. And you could tell how annoyed they were with this react with this reaction because they threw the guards yeah. in the ring. I think it's quite significant as well of who he dropped the leg on. Yeah, I was just the about match, to say when the Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage dropped. Yeah, do you leg think on he's him. coming out to help? It's like Hogan because he is a patriotic. He hit his like, man. Was it? I can't remember the lyrics of the song. <laughs> when it comes crashing down. Fight for the rights of every man. <laughs> Randy Savage and he just pops I'll probably have said I am a real American Scott how do you spell freedom? <laughs> you 
S H. How do you spell 44? Oh god, Dave. That's terrible. Fuck you. That's easy. You can hear it out if you want. No, uh, I don't know, it's just great, obviously, and then it's me and Gene's interviewing Hogan, and it's just Hogan just like letting the fans know what he thinks, and, and you just see the, the ring fill up, and then someone tries to get into the ring. Someone's so pissed off. That he's getting into the ring to attack Hogan, and, and I'm sure Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, like beat this random fan up. That was just how, yeah. like, you, that was just so mad. Because KFAB was such a big thing back mm-hmm. then, you, it was you actually felt like Hall and Nash were coming to invade this company. Mm-hmm. So Hogan, a man who had come in, he'd had this. He was, as I said, he's a real American. He was stood for everything, this, and for him to be the one to betray them, it was just like. And his dagger in the back, and it was like last moment as well because he was unsure he wanted to do it, and mm-hmm. uh, they were going to do Sting. Sting instead. was meant to be the fourth man originally. And then then Hogan, I think Hogan said himself, "Can I be the one to turn? It's my turn to go." And give him yeah. credit, it worked absolutely perfectly. Well, like like you said, there was there, there was no dirt sheets or anything about the end, so it was all speculation, and then. That also really helps shock factor. Oh, is when you don't know that yeah. the speculation can ever happen. It was real. I still get like chills watching that clip. It's just, it's, I mean, it's just a great moment. People were great reporting back, and they were all saying, "Who's it going to be?" I believe Meltzer, Meltzer at one point maybe even speculated that Mabel was going to be the third man. Still, <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bischoff takes good fun in denying. We can never get through one show without that. Name. I found them all in, and I, just, oh, I took it. I thought we should just give in and give Gary a first round. Oh, he's good. He's coming, good to Patreon. coming to Patreon. Going to Patreon. Could be the obscure characters. It's part, part of our obscure no, wrestler chronicles. No, 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 just that. No, if you want, no, if, if you want to hear a wrestler show, just as Sarah says, give us the money. Please, <laughs> Come on. please, if you could part with your money to listen to all this bonus content that we are, we are really excited to bring you guys. Don't make me look bad. But yeah, oh, so not. Hogan joining the NWO that scored. 155 out of 168 so that that cracked our top three but the one thing that cracked like so we're going to move on to the top two and they Which are i feel like i left in this one i'm leaving <laughs> it, it is from the more modern era and we are going to go to the one that broke my heart the most in most recent history it is the breakup of tomaso champa and johnny gargano and my losing the trust of the nxt watermark Yes, the breakup of DIY. Stephen, you're so, so happy because you know exactly what's turned out to be number one. Yes. So, <laughs> but the shock factor was just after, you know, that that match and Johnny was, like, taking shots to the head. He was taking, like, ladder shots for Champa. But yes, look, but he did not have to force to be wrestled with a knee injury. Well, we'll, we'll go back to where the, uh, the seeds were first planted, and it's the Cruiserweight classic. classic. So talk to me about like the first time that they had properly locked horns. That was, that was, I love that Cruiserweight Classic. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about it in the tournament show, it was absolutely fantastic, but you got that first real WWE seeds of bad guy Tommaso Ciampa, mm-hmm. psycho killer Tommaso Ciampa that he was in the Indies, where he was he was just targeting Johnny, even though they were, they were mates, they were mm-hmm. tag team partners, they were challenging for the the tag team that was in NXT at that particular point, but yeah. you got that kind of seeds of what Tommaso Ciampa could do, and it was the case of, you just, you knew it was going to happen, Wait, but you didn't know. think it was going to happen then, at the end of the show, with the watermark. <laughs> the watermark is supposed to indicate that the show is over, but no, I'm going to promise myself I'm not going to cry. 
So was this if the producer on the back kind of knew what he was doing, or how your heart was doing? Oh, it's, it, it's, it's really, really good. It was just, I've really grown to like Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Tommaso Ciampa is, as a result of that, you know, the fact that, the fact he went away, you know, to get knee surgery and double shoulder surgery as well, it, the fact that he didn't stick around afterwards, obviously because of injury, but the fact that he was sort of stalking Johnny from a distance, it was a, a new... Plus of the <laughs> Like DDP still. <laughs> yeah, but the fact he was sort of manipulating him from a distance, it was the... It, it was a, a whole new sort of path of uh, being a, a dastardly heel. And obviously when he came back, he still had the knee brace on, he had Crutchy with him then. It was ultimate psychological warfare on the part of Champa, and it was it's probably something that goes on quite a lot in society nowadays so it sort of shows that they're in touch with quite a quite a taboo subject yep and um, that takeaways right so I was a watch of NXT at that point when the heel turn happened mm-hmm. however although I came into it late I still felt the effects of it and I watched back on it and I was like just as well I wasn't watching it back then because I've probably would have been upset about it. But as well as that, the thing we have to give to Vassal Champa praise for, I think in the history of wrestling, nobody has ever used time out through injury as effectively as Champa mm-hmm. did. Oh, absolutely. It was, a, it, was, it was the wedding photos thing. Oh, oh, I ruined your wedding photos. It's just the fact that it's still the same face. The only Every thing time. missing was a crutch. Yep. That was the only thing. He, his use of social media was just amazing. I'm following everyone. And he didn't like everyone. a single status or yeah. a single tweet sent to him either. Literally everything was at, and it wasn't like that at symbol, it was AT. AT. <laughs> it was just brilliant. It's like he was calling them out, but without actually tagging them, yeah. and you're just like... So he doesn't want to give them their glory of being tagged. It's like, how child. dare you? Like, I'm not thinking of you, I'm, I'm thinking of your word, but not. You're not going to get it, but yes. And the wave. Oh, the wave. Oh, the Champa wave. Yeah. The Champa wave. I mean, like, I think for me, like, everyone knows how upset I was, like, watching this live, and it's still a joke that we use today. Like, it was one of the first things I mentioned when I even joined the podcast. Remember when we did the first TakeOver preview? And it was just... It's still because we were just leading into, to, uh, to, I think it was like, was it their first match? It was the ULA's match. I was just leaning into the, their first bout since mm-hmm. coming back together. And it, even like after that, like that was a, a long, long time in between mm-hmm. like him just turning around and throwing Johnny into the LED board. And you're just like, hold up, what the hell's just went on? Because like, I know everyone was focusing on Johnny that he took a ladder to the face and like, to, like push Champ out of the way. But then you're sitting thinking, like, you, you completely didn't even realise. I didn't actually realise at this time that Champa was actually wrestling injured. Like, I stayed away from, like, all... I think this was before I even started looking mm-hmm. on the internet for things. <laughs> um, so this is where, like, the ultimate shock factor... You know what I mean? Like, I was dirt sheets. I this! <laughs> <laughs> when, when, like, because that was just when I started to get back into wrestling. I mean, it was around about Stephen and Mel's SummerSlam was when I got back into wrestling. Mm-hmm. So this was all still relatively quite new Jeez, for me. You've got bad history of following the wrong people. You at least even mellow with this. The thing about this, <laughs> he won a slammy. The thing about this was the Owen Hart won two slammies. Yes. So, so like, yeah, 
since they won the titles in Toronto, I think the rumours of them breaking up kind of died down for a while, and then going into this, they th- there was rumours they were going to turn in. I think whoever recorded Johnny's song accidentally ruined it. She, that Johnny was getting a new song going into it. But, but you're still hoping, like when the watermark came up, you're thinking, "Oh, we're safe now. Like we're supposed to feel safe when that happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe over." It's like when you go to a podcast on your birthday. You think I'm in a safe <laughs> space. You know what you love most is taken from you, and you lie awake at night. <laughs> I mean, I could have been so mean and With played uh, the Billy Kirkwood actual before Sarah walked in the door. I was, <laughs> I was thinking Sarah didn't take your mother. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I love my mother, but my feelings for the title are much greater. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> big bang oh, Monica, reference. If you're listening, no. I hope to God that you're going to batter him when, you, when he gets home. She hasn't listened to these. I'll tell Ross to tell her to listen. But, <laughs> but I do agree with something Kwaku said earlier that the fact he went, went, the fact that Champa went away was probably the best thing for him because if they just, if he'd been healthy, they probably would have rushed into the feud the way they've oh, done yeah. it at Brooklyn, and I don't think it would have near the same impact that it had. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that the eventually the title came got involved in it, Johnny kind of turned heel for a while, and then turned again the fact that we didn't get the true culmination in their match at uh, Brooklyn Four, kind of. It's, it's uh, heartbreaking, but at least you got that moment of them hugging while Johnny was holding the title mm-hmm. at the end. I mean, see when you're talking about like when we look at storytelling, Scott, you rated this nine and a half. I rated it ten. Stephen rated it ten. Quacko rated it ten. So it's basically high across the board. That, that half was only because they didn't get the match in Brooklyn. Exactly, but I think what made it the best thing after was Champa coming out to no music. Yeah. And let yes. the booze carry him to the ring. Oh, oh. biggest nuclear heat. Sorry, like, David. I love thing. that, but even Barrow was when he walked out to Gargano's. Oh my god, yes. That one was the best for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so overall, the breakup of DIY, one of my most heartbreaking moments, came in at 162 and a half, because of Scott's half point, uh, out of 160, so it did rank quite high. But we're going to move on to the number one of our all-time heel turns, and it is Seth Rollins breaking up the shield. Stephen, I'll start with you because you just look like you're ready to talk about this. This is my number one. This was heartbreaking. This was. <laughs> I remember me and David talked about this. We we watched the the payback yeah. review with the shield literally the night before. The shield cleared out. The Evolution, Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton. This was meant to be their moment. They were meant to go striding towards being the most popular team. WWE's ever had and Seth Seth again Rollins see I love I still love Seth even though everybody else seems to hate Seth uh, but <laughs> I was so gutted I was uh, I think I don't, I don't know I think I was working the next day and I woke up and checked my phone and the first thing that comes up was Seth Rollins has turned on the shield and I just I just sat there like on my phone I, I couldn't get out of bed for five minutes just like it was meant to be Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the thing because it was like uh, it was Ambrose and Rollins were the ones that were like clashing and, and not Rollins, Ambrose and Reigns were clashing and Rollins was just at the side of the shuffle and then the fact that he turned and it just became it's massive. It's because Rollins was like, if you look at the three, Roman Reigns was like the powerhouse, Ambrose was the kind of cocky guy and Seth Rollins was the high flyer of the three. Yeah. The high flyer never turns heel. Ambrose was the natural heel for so for Seth to do that it was just unbelievable, yeah. but the way Seth ran with that actually after that turn, as heartbreaking as that turn was, was absolutely wrong. The star he is today. He would not have got there without that. He would probably have lost Jeanette in the shuffle somewhere. He would have probably been mid-card. See if you had 
if you're like, of course, in wrestling, every tag team's got to end at some point. <laughs> For me personally, I would have thought it was going to be Roman. Roman was. I would have I would have predicted Roman more than Seth. Seth was the last of the three. I would yeah. Yeah. Seth would be the last one. Ambrose would have been my first choice as well. Yeah. Yeah, given obviously he had the whole lunatic fringe gimmick. Like, we didn't have that yet, did he? It wasn't well, he kind of was still, but, but it was, he, didn't, he didn't really have it at that point. But Ambrose helped make that turn with that facial reaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- somebody actually made a YouTube clip of that uh, dubbing over that Simpsons clip where Lisa dumps Ralph Wiggum and then Bart just goes. You can just see the moment where his heart breaks in half and Ambrose's face just tells us, like, Ugh. There's so many like, videos made of it with like, just it's sad like, music. Yeah, but it's dubbed over, my heart will go on. <laughs> like, everything dubbed over that is the best thing ever. Oh, so the way Roman sells the chair, so just slowly um, dropping to his knees and just mm-hmm. to look at and just the deadpan look that Rollins gives on to Ambrose when Ambrose looks at him as if to say, like, why? I say, wait, what? Everything about it works. The shock factor, the execution, every party again played the part with Triple H and oh, Randy Orton were great. Yeah. Triple H was great, just how smug he was coming out. It's like, there's yeah. always uh, him a and Randy Orton. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, because so, it was teased throughout the night with the Batista yeah, leaving. Yeah, uh, like, but there's always a plan B. See, like, and you're like... The only thing I, I don't like about it is the fact it's kind of like... Logically, it didn't make sense because they beat Evolution twice, and it was like yeah, Rollins yeah. who was doing the big moves, and he jumped off the the stage and stuff like not the stage, but the no, you know, he jumped off the stage on that one. Did it, yeah, yeah, and it was just like so. Why is he turned kind of thing? That was the only thing. But you kind of thought about it because of the I, impact. Actually, I disagree. I think you know, as much as as shocking as it was, this was about as as good a moment to turn the shield at any point or turn Rollins as it were because they basically reached the summit of the Yeah, time. but what I'm saying logically, like storyline-wise, that didn't make sense because it was like... like Does anything make sense in WWE these days? True, see? but you still kind of want a bit of belief. See, see, in hindsight, what they said is right, it yeah. worked. But at the time, and what yeah. they said is right, is like they had just literally beaten yeah. Evolution, mm-hmm. the greatest stable of that modern era. So yep. to go from that to then the breakup, that's what a lot of people were surprised about. They thought... Maybe they should have went a few more months yeah. and then done the breakup later. But in hindsight, yeah, it, it, worked, it, worked. it worked well for all of them. They've all had a great career. I say Seth Rollins' his heel run after that, leading through, from that mm-hmm. moment through to WrestleMania the next year, yeah. is probably some of the best heel work. Even after that, when he was feuding with George Stewart. It's, it's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's like Asuka now leaving the Kabuki Warriors and joining Alexa Bliss and... Uh, Nicky Storm, but I mean, Nicky Storm, Nicky Cross. I, I think if it was any other team, it would have fallen apart, but because it was The Shield and The Shield was so popular, it, yeah. The Shield were basically the number one. It was lightning in a bottle, because, like, let's say, storyline wise, it didn't make sense, but it was the moment just over, like, shadowed the sort of uh, illogical sort of storyline. I think what we've noticed is a common theme where they've teased somebody turning at one point, not done it, and then lol gem when they actually do mm-hmm. turn. And they did that again because they were in their feud with the Wyatts. They were kind of teasing. Yeah. They were dissension, and then they got came back stronger. They ran through the Outlaws and yeah. Kane at WrestleMania. They won back to back papers against the Evolution, and seemingly when they other peak, they turned. And I think they prevented them from doing what NWO would eventually do, like or some other factions there, where they go one for two and they lose. Mm. Kind of what makes them special. And uh, I don't remember Batista at the time when he left. A few months later, he got, did an interview saying how annoyed he was that they'd done all this work to put them over only to break them up the next night mm-hmm. but really that, when you think about it that's really low gen to make you think like yeah, it gives you that false sense of security mm-hmm. as well it's like the NXT watermark yes that match they had with the Wyatts see if I'm having a bad day I'll try to find that in the network that match is amazing that elimination yeah I've held it's like a great match it's one of the best six man tag team matches ever so good I was gutted at Seth 
you know, uh, but he's, honestly, he's, he's still my guy. The shield, the shield couldn't have, I couldn't have accomplished any more. So again, hindsight, it works, but obviously, yeah, but, but at, the, at the time they never teamed with Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, on shock factor alone, this just tops it completely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and see. You can sort of tell that quite along the board, even though it was it was recent, and I'm pretty sure all of us have seen it and seen it seen it happen at that one particular moment, that this actually got 164 out of 168, so it was ranked really, really high. I mean, I think I put it down as actually my top one. My top one as well. So yeah, that was our top ten. But we've also there's there's a whole many like there's so many heel turns that have ever happened in wrestling. We've got in TNA. Or impact, we've got an AEW some point at some point. Big show's career. Big show's <laughs> career, we've got There's been more heel turns than a woman on Suckle Street than the big show. <laughs> so but there's been so many that we have actually not been able to talk about because we're only limited for time. So I'm gonna throw it open to the panel, but I'm actually gonna start off with one and I'm really, really sorry. I I said I was gonna show solidarity, but Bailey's heel turn. I wanna throw this out to you guys. It's still really, really new, and it's probably the one thing that shocked us all. And it's absolutely. It's when she burst the Bailey buddies. <laughs> oh. You can tell by just like the the, the, oh. the sadness of my panel right now. It's like she Not burst. The wacky, maybe the really cute there you go. <laughs> and she cut all her hair off. She dyed it a darker color. She Life put, sucks. Life and sucks. then you die. <laughs> I mean. Like that's because like the reason that this was left off, off the list was first because I was going to show solidarity to Lucy. And, my God, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. And second of all, it was really, really recent. Like uh, after I'd compiled all these lists up. So as it eats, sleeps, and plays, reads me. Really hope that Gary has not done his Christmas shopping. Yeah, that's really. Falling in Because we, we were talking about this like last year. Yeah. And it's just like, please no, because I've just spent so much money on Christmas presents for her that's all Bailey stuff. So it seems to be a theme some family tradition. First, uh, Stephen with Austin, Derek with Sean, and now Lucy with yeah, Bailey. Yeah, it's like going through the generations. Well, she'll, she'll get through it. She'll come out stronger. And I don't know. She'll watch Ring of Honor for a couple of months and then realise. Well, wrestling's actually okay outside She'll remind that. everyone that's her podcast. <laughs> uh, I have got one yep. from Scotland that I was thinking about earlier on. That's came to me when we were talking about earlier on. It's struck me so much. Grado turning a Baromania. Oh yes! Oh, it was such a. It was so. so it, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I was sitting in the house watching it on a, when a, a brief time they were on fight, mm-hmm. and it's just a, when he turns on Shah and you're just like, Grado turning. Mm-hmm. What's going? Then he comes out again and he ditches like a prayer. It's just like, what is wrestling anymore? <laughs> what is what is real wrestling? What is real wrestling? <laughs> what is real wrestling? <laughs> But yeah, that was really shocking considering he was like, he screamed career babyface. Oh yeah. yeah. Andy, have you got one? Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, I thought about this uh, today and it was uh, Royal Rumble, I can't remember, yeah, I want to say 2009, when it was Jeff Hardy versus Edge and Mac came out. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, 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 and then Mac smacks his brother with a chair and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was unexpected and I think because a lot of people knew Christian was coming back. And they thought he was going to come out, so when Matt came out first, I thought, oh well, it's going to build up to that. And it was quite shocking when it done well, like storyline wise. And but yeah, enough for that was quite good. for Christian, look at the retort he got. Oh, oh like ECW. <laughs> it's Christian. <laughs> He's here for total non-stop action. 
Although oh, also Mastery in this moment's become instantly classic because he was called instant classic in TNA. <laughs> Bless my Striker for trying to give at least a little bit of enthusiasm, but oh, it was dead oh. in the water when Todd Grisham started talking. Dave, right. have you got one that's... Yeah, I've actually got um, one from 2005. Okay. A bit of a slow burner over time, but still one of my favourites. Eddie Guerrero turns on Rey Mysterio. Yep. Like, and this stems back as far as you know, early 2004, because Rey Mysterio keeps racking up wins over Eddie. They ended up winning the tag team titles together, and then they face each other at WrestleMania in one of the, probably the best opening matches. But then it all starts to get a bit too much for Eddie. He starts feeling resentful, and yeah, he just brings out the secret, the fact that he's Dominic's real dad. I'm your puppy! <laughs> Dominic? I thought it was Walter. <laughs> See, my annoyance at that one was the fact that Ray Mysterio was on Carlitos Cabana, and that's when Eminem debuted, mm-hmm. yeah. and they beat up Ray, and I was like, Eddie, Where, Eddie? Where's Eddie? Yeah. Where were you, Eddie? Know, that's when it's I like little seeds like that, you know, when, yeah, but when, they, but when, they, when they do something to the lower either. No. Oh no. <laughs> the uh, build up to the match for the ladder match for uh, Custody Adonis is when I started to realise that wrestling is a bit shit. <laughs> Quacker, I'm going to come to you. It's like social services. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah we can't go to court, just have a ladder yeah. match. Off your I think what kind of, the only thing that ruined it for me is that not just the ladder match and the whole storyline, but see the literally the week after, they faced each other in a steel cage and Eddie finally won. <laughs> like, it, just, it, just didn't, it just kind of fell flat. Yeah, it, was <laughs> and it was mentioned by Brian earlier, and mm-hmm. it was Kaylee Ray Dead Stevie Boy turning on the Bucky Boys. That was yeah. Kaylee Kaylee Ray looks so sinister. Yeah, like that. <laughs> so, it's the fact that like BT and Chris ran first around in her and her T-shirts and stuff, and Dead Stevie's like, I don't know what to do. Oh well, I'll oh. just put uh, Dave into a good Glasgow destroyer. When you ask the questions, we change the yeah. answers. <laughs> Went for some minute lights. Oh yeah. No, it was when we, when you wanted answers, so we, we changed, changed the, the questions. questions. Yeah. That was such a light. And the other annoying bit of it, of all for me, was see, like, like that was when I was starting to go to ICW regularly mm-hmm. and stuff. And then when I would talk to like some wrestling fans I've never been to, like ICW or any Scottish show, I'd say, oh, you'd love it. It's like, just like on WWE, but with Scottish humor, there's even a team called the Bucket Boys, and everyone would laugh at that yeah. And now you can't say that anymore, because it doesn't sound the same as, oh, there used to be a team called the Bucket have Boys, you, you know what I mean? Have you seen the thing that somebody did on Twitter recently? There was a Twitter account where somebody put up, this is a great heel turn on ICW, from ICW or Stevie Boy breaks up the Bucky Boys. Davey Blaze retweets it, pretty much commenting on it, and then the same guy replies to him, going, Were you the guy that took the destroyer? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, funny enough, for the two of them, Davey was the one that was supposed to get that push. I know. That's what's quite funny about it, but I'm going to throw another one out, and Scott, you'll be probably familiar with this as Kenta joining Bullet Club. Yeah. Very recently, I mean, I think Shock Factor alone, I was sitting watching this with my boyfriend and I'm going, what the hell just happened? Yeah, it was a weird one because I think Kenneth was already hated by some hardcore New Japan fans because he'd been in pro wrestling Noah and basically, he was like he was like a WCW guy coming to WWE, there was that, that mistrust around him mm-hmm. and I think we Bullet Club were starting to pick up as a proper heel faction with Jay White and uh, the Grills of Destiny and all that, I think him joining was a perfect fit but the fact that Shibata got involved and got yeah. fit because he had had that there's a guy called Shibata Shibata <laughs> <laughs> right 
I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you a quick warning. Ian Skinner's not gonna like you because of that because that is his favourite. Sure. Ciabatta. Sorry, I'm not much of a baker. I just heard ciabatta. Ciabatta, because I will, I will send Ian Skinner your way later on. Yeah, because you've been, you've brought Kent into. He's a good vegan now. He's brought Kent into the LA Dojo, which he runs and helped him train again. He was one of the few people that actually stood by his side, and then he gets involved. And it was surprising because. He, like a year or so ago, had that career-ending injury, so to see him get involved physically was like, oh, then that gave the intrigue, like, is he going to come back at some point? His involvement is so much better when you put uh, the Titanic music over it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Every, every sort of heel turn, like, I think we should just sort of do that. We'll get Ryan to dub every single heel turn from our top ten and see which one looks sure better. Sure, I've got the... With, like, with the my heart will go on. Make sure you've got the rights for James Cameron shoot. Oh. There was one I was going to mention. Yeah. I was tempted to say X Pac turning on Kane, but like I, as much as I love Kane, it wasn't. I wasn't actually watching at the time, so I'm not going to include that. I'm going to include one that I was watching for, and it's when Batista has Randy Orton up on his shoulders and Triple H gives the thumbs yeah. down, and Evolution turns on Randy Orton because I remember as long as I've been watching, Evolution were the heel faction. Mm-hmm. The idea of anyone like Orton and Batista, especially, were Evolution guys, and Triple H because of his jealousy couldn't. Um, to see anybody else holding what he thought should be his and give him a thumbs down and then that would also come full circle months later when Batista would turn face when he was good, he was good with man, he gave him the thumbs up and then the thumbs down, yeah. which would then become yeah, his thing. It's, 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 it's really good, it's, very, it's one I forgot yeah. about but it's actually really memorable because yeah. it's like the Kevin Owens uh, Festival of Friendship one, they weren't, yeah. they weren't really faces but you had that moment of celebration you thought these guys could be good and then it was just like nope, yeah. nope bye bye heel to mega heel rather than yeah, like, but, and yeah then, so is it enough time to throw in one more or unfortunately no, no. <laughs> unfortunately no not, we've, oh, we've run out of time but you never know because of how many heel turns ever happen in wrestling we could easily probably have another show or we can do a YouTube show or do a Patreon show who knows give me no money <laughs> please give us your money well I imagine half of them will be Big Show alone I mean yeah but like we have had the Big we Show have had, show. we have had cool. a Big Show show so you'll find that on our back catalog <laughs> well done Andy so well, yeah a Big Show <laughs> that, that has been our greatest heel turn and betrayal show so that is our rank 10 to number 1 the list is kind of not surprising, but if you guys have got any others that you think top Seth Rollins turning on the shield, tweet us in, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, suplex retweet, just message us and let us know. When Sarah Grave came right to my door saying, give me the money. <laughs> when Hulk Hogan turned on the fans and became a big racist. <laughs> and on that note, coming up next week... Ross is back in the hosting chair and we are going to be talking about heel turns. <laughs> I was like, you know, an anchor man when he's like, he's like, you've got your poop out. So I felt when Hulk Hogan said those words. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try and do this outro without you guys breaking. professionalism, come on. I know. I'm tr- I know. I'm trying my best here, guys. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so Ross is back in the hosting chair next week and we are talking about the worst world champions <laughs> in wrestling. <laughs> are you on that one, David? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Scott is, though. <laughs> so yes, that is what's coming up next week and we've got a whole bunch of shows that are coming up in November. And like I said, our Patreon channel starts on the 1st of November. So get subscribed, signed up to whatever tier you want to do. We're going to do Obscure Wrestling Chronicles, Visa, that Funaki, Mabel... 
Even though he's the same as Vissa. <laughs> Big Daddy B. <laughs> we're getting a show each. Men on a mission. Yep. The heartthrobs. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. So, but the only way to find out exactly what we're going to be doing and how to access them is to subscribe to our Patreon channel. And please, you know, give us the money. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, there is loads. We're going to be doing loads. We've got so much content that it is actually going to be worth your money. I promise you that. I will pinky promise. But I'm going to thank my panel. I've got Kwaku. Thank you. Stephen. Thank you very much. Scott. Thank you. Andy. Cheers. And Dave. Give me the thanks. <laughs> and I am Sarah. I am one of the biggest heel turns in ESSR history. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you're honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions. Get on it right now! Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.